Mark, you've gone through tough times and, you know, encouragement from the Lord. Just talk about encouragement. Yeah, I mean, there was a season where I was, you know, I think all of us, we get despairing of life. And though we may not get suicidal, we just wouldn't mind if the Lord just took us home. Mm. That we quickly eliminate everything off of our bucket list because the priorities uh, begin to change. And I remember... I was going through such a dark time, and I had a friend. We have a friend, Richard Brennan, yeah. a sweet brother, who uh, came up to me, and I was at our old church at this railing, you know, really despairing of life. And I'd sought a lot of counsel from a lot of different people. And him not really knowing what I was going through or how to minister to me, he just simply said, God knows. What is more exciting than driving through the streets of India with Ray Comfort as he grasped the seat he was sitting on, white-knuckled? There's only one thing more exciting than that. That is sitting in a German airport on our way to India as Ray Comfort and I were exhausted out of our minds, and we just started to throw out little rhymes that ended with O's. And we just kept going back and forth and back and forth until, lo and behold, the What Your Nose Shows book was birthed. <laughs> <laughs> you remember that, right? That was like evolution. It just oh, it evolved. Well, we were both exhausted out of our minds, and then it ended in this context. I don't know. I said something like, I, I don't know, grows or something, then you rhymed it, and then I rhymed it. And it was this competition back and forth, back and forth. And then all of a sudden, you're like, I, I have no idea for a book. And lo and behold... What came out? What is the nose nose? <laughs> what, what the nose your nose shows. Ray, this is a really cool book. It's for little kids, isn't it? Yeah, and uh, isn't it? Is it? That was more like an is it? Ray, how many times have we talked about this on the program? You never cease to amaze me. You know what yeah, book I it? love is isn't The it? Great Expectations. When did you write that one? No, Ray? I didn't. That was my But Ray, seriously, I love this book. I just thought of it today as I was preparing for the program, and I went and pulled it out of our warehouse. But let me just read the the beginning of it. Is there someone who knows who made the first nose, and is there someone who knows just why it grows? It starts as a button on a baby's soft face. In time, it gets bigger to fill up the space. There's the froze nose and hot nose and red as a rose, the flat one, the fat one, the high and the low nose. Teenagers have problems when noses have pimples. Others are embarrassed their noses have dimples. (laughs) A cold can make a nose flow like a hose, sniffing and sneezing. You know how it goes. (laughs) It's illustrated by Cedric Holmes. That's what makes it come alive. Every dumb thing you just heard is illustrated beautifully by Cedric. Yeah, great illustrations. And friends, this really is not a shameless plug. I was just remembering that stupid memory. And, I just uh, sent it to someone this morning, actually. It really is good. And then from that came out sna- Scratch and Sniff. Scratch, scratch and, and Sniff. We did? Wait, 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 wait. No, that was Stop. the track. You're talking about the track. No. no the, the Scratch and Sniff, the book. cat and dog. That- oh, that's right. Yes. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> Another ah. book Ray doesn't remember writing. Hey, you are unreal. That was a brilliant book, too. It was. It had. It actually had ink with scent in it. That's you scratch right. it, and it would, you know, and it was about a dog was and a cat scratch ink? and sniff. <laughs> used ink, or was it iced ink? Iced ink. Yeah. So anyway, Ray, uh, do you remember driving through India, Ray? Yeah, that's one thing I'll never forget. <laughs> that's the most terrifying experience of my life. What, about an hour and a half, 
with maniacs heading for us, head-on collisions, and the last minute they swing to the side while honking the horn. Yeah. Just absolutely different culture. Ray had culture. no idea. I think that may have been your first time in a third world country, wasn't it? Well, it was, India is a wonderful place to leave, and I couldn't <laughs> wait to get back. <laughs> Sorry to our friends in India. Ray didn't really mean that. But yeah, uh, it yes, was... Yes, I uh, did. I was thrilled to get home. <laughs> Would you go back to India? No. He brought with him 10, I think it was about 10 boxes of Weedabix in his suitcase. That's cereal. What is a Weedabix? Cereal. Cereal. It's got to be a key for a body like this. Mark, what was your experience of India like? All it was was mosquitoes. (laughs) I was was in India with Mark as well. It was hard. You were. Yeah, 1997. Yeah. I was the promised land when it came to the mosquitoes because they saw me and they celebrated. Oh, they did. It was hard. That was a hard, hard trip. Yeah. Mainly because of, I think, the company that first led us over there. I butted heads with the leadership there. Which he later apologized to me several years later. Yeah. Um, but He must have sent the mosquitoes. He had a jar full of them and he let go <laughs> on your exactly room. I'll say this. The people were very welcome and loving oh, yes. and very receptive to the Word of God. Yeah. That when we would hand out a gospel track, they were also excited. I mean, we, would, we, would we would literally almost get mobbed, Mark. Yeah. Seriously, it was so different than here. Like, you're out, you give a track, and then people just swarm you, and they, they're putting out their hands for them. And, but, Ray, you almost died in India, basically, because I was his cupbearer, basically. I was his, his food taster. And on the last, and, and that's why Ray took, he took so many boxes of cereal because his palate is bland. I mean, it's hard for him to tolerate hot Ketchup food. Ketchup is too spicy for yeah. Ray. Well, I am, I've changed a little yeah. in recent You want to talk about onions and what happened to you? No, I you think don't. it was something else. Oh, yes, yeah, so I may be okay. back to onions. Anyhow, friends, uh, I threw but, up yeah, a- but on the last, <laughs> on the last night in India, they said, oh, oh, we've made, we've made food that doesn't have spice in it so you could eat it, chicken, because Ray was hardly eating anything. And so Ray was about, he was reaching out his hand. I go, no, 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 wait, Ray, just wait. Let me try it. And I think they did the opposite. I almost died. Oh, man, I really? burned my tongue off. I, seriously, Ray would have been taken to the hospital. <laughs> anyway, friends, this program is about how to encourage others. I don't know how encouraged Ray's been from, from all these memories. But fun times. And guys, encouragement. This is, man, su- such an important topic. I think it's one that's often minimized, but yet all of us know exactly how much we love it, being encouraged by other people. That's so true. Prove it. Make me. <laughs> yeah. So, Ray, I, I want to hear from you on maybe some of the most discouraging seasons of your life and how you dealt with those. I mean, I know that you went through a very difficult time back in New Zealand when you were dealing with agoraphobia. Is that how you say it? Agoraphobia. 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 Yeah, which is a fear of open spaces. Yeah, and people too, right? Wasn't there some? Well, they were in the open spaces. <laughs> people in the open <laughs> That's spaces. This fear of the marketplace. Yeah. And it was horrific. But, but I, I, I would love for you to share that a little bit with our friends. I know you you've may have shared it before on a podcast. I can't remember. I know you've written about it in, in one of your books. It's, there's a whole chapter, not a chapter, a whole stack of it at the end of the Evidence Bible, talking yeah. about the dark experience. And right. That. And so I, I want to springboard off of that, and then I want all of us to kind of talk about difficult times in our lives and how the Lord brought us through for the purpose of recognizing the importance of being an encouragement to others, because we don't know what's going on in everyone's life. Mm-hmm. But but open up on that, Ray. What, what was that well, season? Well, the, there was life? times of encouragement in it. It was like oasis is in the desert, or whatever the plural of oasis is. Oasis is wayside. A wayside. Yeah, there was a wayside by the wayside. But yeah, it was a very very dark time. It only lasted for five years, but it was very very bad for about a year. 
A.W. Tozer, I think, said, was, it said, before God uses a man, God breaks the man. It's like a, a wild horse. It's beautiful. It's wild, but it needs its spirit broken. And when its spirit is broken, it, it can handle a rider that will say, move to the right, move to the left. And that's mm. what God wants, broken spirit and a contrite heart. Mm. And God broke my spirit, absolutely destroyed it through an experience I had called agoraphobia. I didn't even know what it was. Yeah. I thought I was going insane. But I was, if I may give some details, I was in the middle of a teaching session on a Sunday. We had a break and went to these people's home, uh, had lunch, and then went back to my room. And while I was waiting in this room, I just stand there. It was like a thousand demons just invaded my mind to where I fell on the floor. It was like Whoa. a... Like an, I used to have a nightmare as a little kid. It was like that nightmare, but I was awake and I couldn't shake it. It was absolutely horrific. So that that happened in an instant? Like in you remember instant. the distinct yes, moment? Yes, I remember. It I fell on the floor. It was so real and was so horrific. And I, I'm even trembling inside talking about it. Wow. I remember I had to preach that night and I preached how to get on fire for God. And it was all funny. And listen, a guy came up afterwards and he looked at me and says, I wish I was like you. <laughs> you <laughs> wow. don't know what you're saying. Hmm. And then uh, I went home and I just said to Sue, what can I, what can I do? What are we going to do? And I just broke down in tears. And from then for 12 months, I could not handle the trauma of having a meal with my family. Wow. Couldn't even handle family devotions as we used to have them. It was, and if I'd meet someone, I'd just drip with sweat and get palpitations. I'd lie in bed with fears that were totally irrational, heart thumping, sweating like a like you wouldn't believe. And then I found it was diagnosis. It was like we get a flight or fright thing. If you see a lion heading for you, you'll want to run naturally. It's no lion. There's no lion, but you just want to run. Mm. And a lot of people get this, and, and I'm sure a lot of people commit suicide because of it's so horrific. But the thing that encouraged me was Hebrews 12, where it says God will chasten you for a time because he loves you. And then it says afterwards it brings forth the peaceable fruits of righteousness. Mm. And I thought, great, what are the peaceable fruits of righteousness? <laughs> I thought, what are they? Because Scripture often speaks of those peaceable fruits of righteousness. I thought, got to find them, got to find them. And then I grabbed the word afterwards, blew it up on my computer to about three inches high and just put it on the wall and realize there is light at the end of this horrible mm. tunnel. Mm. Afterwards, there's an afterwards. So I empathize, and it, it did. It broke my spirit. And I certainly can say if God says move to the left, go to the left, move to the right, go to the right, because he's in charge of me, because I never want to go through that experience. It was just a taste of hell. What horrifies me is the people all around the world that, are, you know, I see they write to me and say, I'm getting irrational fears, and my heart breaks for them. So... Back of the Evidence Bible, that could be helpful. And there's also a video on YouTube where a guy said he got agoraphobia and we talked for about 10 minutes on how to handle it. And there's simple things you can do, practical things you can do. One is breathing. <laughs> Keep breathing, which is a good <laughs> idea. But no, breathing, you breathe through your nose very, very deeply and then out through your mouth. And there's a reason for that because when you get this flight or fright experience, everything in, in you is saying, run when there's no lion. And your heart's beating faster, draining your mind of oxygen, which means your mind goes blank mm. and you become confused. So what you've got to do is just stop it, breathe in through your nose, out through your mouth slowly, and that gives you more oxygen and also gives your mind something to do. So that's a practical thing you can do to help what's commonly called panic attacks. I wrote mm. a book on it, yes. um, how to be free from panic or how to overcome panic attacks. Right. Not be free from them, but how to overcome them if mm. they happen. Man, Ray, that... I've heard that story a number of times, but when I try to imagine what that felt like for you, it reminds me of a season in my own life. I went through about an eight-month period of what's called the dark night of the soul. 
and I believe I talked about it here before, but it it was, whew, man, it was so dark. I, I've often said I wouldn't have wished that on my worst enemy. Right. But the, Who's that? Mark? You um, and Mark. But the, but the results, the results I would wish on everyone on the planet because yeah. of how God purified me through it, you know, and what he did in my heart through it. And that refiner's fire. Oh, um, sing it, Ray. <laughs> you would never get me to sing that. Ray refuses to sing it. I would never sing it. I've walked out of churches that are oh, singing it man. together. They're all singing refiner's fire. My heart's one desire is to purify me, Lord. Break me, mold me, shape me. And I think, I'm getting out of here. <laughs> Please because don't, Lord. what they're doing is saying, oh, I want a Job experience. God, destroy my family and my car. And, yeah. you know, I'll just love you. And let's, you know. So, uh, yeah, I say, if I chase myself, maybe God won't chase me. There's a Bible verse that says that yeah. in Psalms, something like that. So uh, if you trim your own branches, God may not have to prune you. So easy, carry on. I'm sorry. To no, no, this is, this is so good. And what encourages me is you were continuing to be an encouragement to others in the midst of it. The Lord encouraged your heart through what you read in his word in regards to it. And then you're now encouraging other people who are going through dark times like that. And that's the whole point, right? Is that our lives are a constant encouragement. And I think of what it says in 2 Corinthians 1, where it says that God comforts us in all our afflictions, that we may be able to comfort others with the comfort with which we ourselves were comforted by God. That's Ray one of my favorite verses. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, you know, and for me, and Mark and Oscar, I really want you guys to weigh in on this, but for me... When I was going through that dark period, I remember I was speaking at a retreat. I had to speak 10 times. It was a five-day retreat, once every morning, once every evening. And I remember in between my speaking, I would go into my room and cry and tremble. I almost ran out and howled in the wilderness after I gave my first message. And then the Lord encouraged me. How did he do that? Through one of his saints. And it was the book that I took with me, Knowing God by J.I. Packer. And there was a chapter in there called These Inward Trials. And at the end, he had a hymn by John Newton, the writer of Amazing Grace. And it said, I ask the Lord that I might grow in love and faith and every grace, might more of his salvation know and seek more earnestly his face. I hope that in some favored hour at once he'd answer my request and by his love's constraining power, subdue my sins and give me rest. Instead of this, he made me feel the hidden evils of my heart and let the angry powers of hell assault my soul in every part. Yea, more with his own hand, he seemed intent to aggravate my woe, crossed all the fair designs I schemed, blasted my gourds, and laid me low. Lord, why is this, I trembling cried, will you pursue your worm to death? Tis in this way, the Lord replied, I answer prayer for grace and faith. These inward trials I employ from self and pride to set you free and break your schemes of earthly joy that you may seek your all. In me. Goodness, and what that did to my heart, you know, in that moment, and I took that book with me and I happened to be in that portion of it. And then I read that in the midst of my, my moment of darkness and God encouraged my soul, Lord, I'm not alone. Others have been through this. Mm. And it, and it just, it really impacted me. Oscar. Well, I think there's a right and a wrong way to encourage people as well. In the day of, of self-help and expressive individualism, we can encourage people onto themselves, which will leave them feeling defeated. Or we can encourage them in the Lord to press on towards God and his glory, to find him as their one source of comfort, both in good times and in bad. And so I think one, as I think, honestly, when I think about people who are a blessing and an encouragement, the first person that comes to mind is you, Easy. You seem to always want to 
find a way to encourage people in their lives. And I think it's so valuable, especially if you take a survey of the American life that we tend to live. I don't know if it's like this in other countries, but at least here in the West, even though we live, you know, think about Orange County, we live in these condensed communities where like our house is 15 feet, another house is 15 (laughs) feet away from us. And yet I forgot the stat but it's some astronomical percentage of Americans don't even know their neighbors' names. Wow. And so the point that I'm making here is that even though we live in some of the most condensed places of the world, we often go unknown and unloved. And yet God desires to save us out of isolation into community so that we can lift one one another up and remind ourselves of the graces of God in our lives. Wow. Amen. That's so true. I I was just reading Disciplines of a Godly Man with my son, Luke. I'm discipling him through it. And we were just in the chapter on friendship. And he talked about how modern architecture has demonstrated where we are as a society in terms of community and reaching out to others. He said, you know, that the main portion of the home used to be the porch. Mm. Neighbors all had porch and they would sit on the porch and they would see each other. Now he said, it's like, you know, the, the big part is a garage, right? You got a three, four car, five car to house. the, And you, you know, you come in and you open the garage door, you go in, you close it. You don't even come out, you go in and, and you're inside all the time. Yards are getting smaller, you know, and everyone's just on social media. No one is actually interacting with people in person anymore. And it's such a tragedy. So that that's good. Mark? That yeah, is interesting, because I watch the Andy Griffith show a lot. Oh, yeah, I remember sitting on the porch. And the porch. They're always on the porch. Man and in a neighbors, hurry. Man in a hurry. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. And they'd, they'd just be rocking and rolling and drinking and eating. And neighbors are coming. I never thought of that. It's Speaking great. of eating, Ray, what are you eating? Well, Ray? I was just thinking, it sounds so carnal, but one great encouragement in life for me is chocolate. <laughs> dark chocolate dark chocolate yeah Ugh. well it's now it's good for you bitter. Say, so forget it's good yeah, yeah, we've gross. discovered that you don't have bitter in your tongue it's I, I not don't a part think of I your do. flavor I palette. hate bitter bitter yeah me too Mark you've gone through tough times uh, and yeah. uh, you know encouragement from the Lord just talk about encouragement hey listener Have you ever imagined yourself having a box of goodies for you to give away to every friend, loved one, non-believer that crosses your path? Well, now you can get one. That's because Living Waters is giving away 10 free boxes of goodies every single week. That's eight in the USA and two overseas. And this is being made possible by a faithful partner of ours that has given us funds to make these resources available to you for free. Each of these boxes has a hundred dollars. That's right, $100 worth of tracks, books, and even your very own podcast mug. Go to livingwaters.com forward slash podcast, fill out the form, and then listen to the end of the episodes where we will be announcing our winners. Livingwaters.com forward slash podcast. Good luck. Yeah, I mean, there was a season where I was... You know, I think all of us, we get despairing of life, and though we may not get suicidal, we just wouldn't mind if the Lord just took us home. Mm. That we quickly eliminate everything off of our bucket list because the priorities begin to change. And I remember I was going through such a dark time, and I had a friend, we have a friend, Richard Brennan, a sweet brother, who came up to me, and I was at our old church at this railing, 
you know, really despairing of life. And, and I'd sought a lot of counsel from a lot of different people. And him not really knowing what I was going through or how to minister to me, he just simply said, God knows. And, and that brought such freedom, right? It, not everything ended right at that point, but it opened up my, my walk for me because I knew the character of God. Right. And because I knew the character of God, I, God was not playing games with me. I wasn't a pawn piece in this world where God is now just using me as a tool, an ugly word in the world. But in reality, God, I really believe, like what Tozer had said, that what Ray had quoted earlier, that God has a bigger picture. He wants to do something. And I, I remember I studied out the sovereignty of God. God is sovereign, which means really that God does whatever he wants, whenever he wants, to whomever he wants. He answers to no one. He doesn't care what you think about it. God is in heaven. He does what he pleases, right? So when we begin to look at that, we go, wow, that's rough. Well, no, unless you really go further deeper, right? We talked about uh, God being love, 1 John 4, 6, but God is so much more than that, right? He is omniscient. He knows all things. He's omnipresent. He is everywhere. In fact, the psalmist said, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I send into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. First Kings 8.27 says, Behold, heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain him. Earth is his footstool. The heavens declare the glory of God. Right? So when we begin to pause and we get a bigger, a stronger, a more beautiful glimpse of who Christ is, as we go through all of the attributes, which we don't have time, everything's just summed up in this. I am. In Exodus 3, I, I am. I am who I am. And what does that mean? I, I think if we were to break that down, there, there are no two words that are as great as those two to describe him, right? He is the everlasting, absolute reality. But I, I like what Piper said concerning these two words. He said, nobody determines his character. There is nobody shaping him, nobody making him what he is. He's not in the process of becoming. He simply is. Without beginning, without end, never fickle, never manipulated. That's what it means to be God. And he says in Isaiah 55, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So therefore, whatever God is and all that God is, he is in himself. He is awesome. And it was at that moment where I said, I want to use that word awesome only to describe God. Ah, I want to stand in awe because I can really only stand in awe of God. He alone is awesome. And it's at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. And that was a dark season of my life. And what got me out was just knowing who God is, the character and the attribute of God. And if you're going to study something, if you're going to be proficient in something, Study God. Yeah. Study God. Know the character of God. Because let him who boasts, let him who glories, glory in this, that they know me, mm. that they understand me. Oh, Mark, that, mm. that's really, really moving. And it just brought to mind how edified I am when other Christians talk about God mm. to me. Like as I was hearing you talk right now, my soul was being 
radically ministered to because you're talking to me about my God. Mm. You know, Ray, you and I, in years past, I remember one time I was at your house and we were just laughing because we just kept talking about the Lord and found such joy. And I remember you saying something to the effect of like, what else is there to talk about in life? You know, in terms of like the deep things that really move us, that really matter, you know, and encouraging people about the Lord. I wrote a book about that. Yeah, what's it called, right? No, no, I'm just kidding. I didn't at all. <laughs> you know, I was just thinking about what we're talking about and how it's so important to encourage people. And we tend to confine that to the body of Christ, encouraging other Christians. But we can encourage unsaved people yeah. with just a, you know, this sounds a little dumb to use this, but a dog can tell if you're encouraging them or not. When they train, you're training dogs, you're taught not to say, good boy. You're taught to say, good boy, because hmm. the dog can feel it. And how much more someone made in the image of God, you can say to someone, good morning, or you can say, good morning. Hmm. And one conveys, I care about you, and it's a really good morning. So for the gospel's sake, we need to continually encourage unsaved people to come to Christ in any way we can. And even with a a little good morning, it can break ice. Speaking of that, I was out to lunch with a friend you in sure I was are. just going to say <laughs> you thought you're going to get away with that I one? lunch with a friend in North Carolina and we sat down and the waitress came and he looked at her and he said I've been using this ever since I saw this happen I thought it was fantastic he said hey in a minute we're going to be praying for our food is there anything I can pray for you for and she was like taken back from it and then I just did it the other day when I was out to lunch with Eddie and Miguel and the woman almost started to cry because wow. her younger brother had just passed away and her mom is in this depression. And so we're like, okay, we're going to pray for you while we pray for our meal. And then afterwards we left a gospel tract. And, wow. and so speaking of encouragement towards and non-believers. Tip, obviously. And a great tip, yeah. <laughs> yeah no, absolutely. Um, uh, you know, Oscar, I was just going to say that that's so great because obviously if anyone is a witness to Christians praying before their meal, it's waiters and waitresses because yeah. they, they see that all the time. And it's not one of those, hey, yeah, I'll pray for you. You're telling them, I'm about to do that now. Yeah. And I think we underestimate how much that really impacts people, you know? I got a very thought-provoking question. It's very deep and powerful. Are you guys comfortable with using the love emoji in your texting? Like the, the heart? heart? The little heart. Oh, the heart, me, the heart. It, let me tell you this. It took me a long time to do it. And at first, guys would send it to me. I'd be like, whoa. You know? <laughs> I do now. I'm more comfortable because it's yeah. become more common. But it took me a while. It, they needed, they yeah. needed emoji with like, hair growing out of it or something manly. <laughs> I just, I just yeah. felt like, you know, that's something a girl would do, draw a little yeah, heart on her you. thing, you know. But, yeah, but, but I've, no, yeah. I'm starting to get used to it now. But at, at first, oh, even though guys. I can say to non-Christians, I love you and I care about you, to yeah. send an emoji with a heart with a text to Ken Ham, <laughs> you know. But yeah, I'm getting used to it. Yeah. You know, based on what you, you said a, little, a minute ago, Ray, about Christians understanding our impact through encouragement to, to the world, Derek Bingham said this. He said, the ministry of encouragement is open to Christians as it is to know others. Christians have a new life in Christ and all powerful Holy Spirit to lead them into all truth and a heavenly father who will protect and bless them eternally. If any people anywhere are qualified and equipped to a ministry of positive and healthy encouragement in a desperately discouraging world, it is a Christian church. (coughs) Christian disciples, Christ said, are the salt of the earth. They should make life tasty. They should be above all else encouragers. Boy, and with with texting and with email, it's so easy to do so. I, I shared with you easier. There's a guy named Kerry I used to surf with years ago, and he's incredibly mocking. He is the king of mockers. 
I don't think he's ever written back to me without saying something that was very, very cutting about me making money off my religion and all mm. this sort of stuff. But every year or so, I just write to him, how you doing? And just recently, he wrote back, and it was slightly warm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was like, it was just like ordinary ice. But He's it was, all, I hope you're not dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, not many unsaved people write to someone out of the blue and say, how are you doing? i really just thinking of you. And Christians can do that because we're motivated by the love of Christ. Yeah. And I'll oh, go ahead, Mark. No, go ahead. I was going to say something to you and ask you to say something. <laughs> Why don't you just... First <laughs> um, Thessalonians um, mm. 5.11, therefore... Oh, yes. <laughs> okay, Ray, explain that. You do that all the time. Tell uh, our people just, what you're trying I, to do. I just know the scriptures. Just trying to act like you know <laughs> yeah. the scripture. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Exodus 54 to 75 to 99. Ooh, powerful. Love billion. it. Powerful. Ooh, God's <laughs> Preach it. it says, therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. You know, I, I've noticed more and more that though my words may encourage someone, what people need is Scripture. Amen. Scripture is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, right? It's going to accomplish what God wants it to accomplish. So therefore, as much as possible, share Scripture, right? Let the Scriptures be your starting point for encouraging others. Uh, allow me g- give three specific ways that you can encourage people. Yeah. Hey, Mark, one, one I'd is, like for you to give three specific ways to encourage people. One is be specific, right? I, I was really <laughs> blessed <laughs> when you did this. Yeah. Uh, I see this inside your life. Hmm. Be specific. I'm really blessed the way you take care of your kids, the way you talk to your wife, the way you do it. Be specific. Because it demonstrates that you're you're noticing yeah. uh, them inside their life. It's not in you're not speaking in generic terms. Next is be intentional. Hey, can we get coffee together? You know, hey, do you have any freedom inside your calendar in order for us to get together? I, I want to talk about something. I want to learn from you and how you do this. Mm-hmm. You know, I value this inside your life, and I, I'd like some of that to rub off on me. So be intentional. Be specific. Be intentional. And third, and I've learned this from Ray, that that is give gifts. You know? You're really good at that. I was just talking to somebody about that the other day. To a mutual friend of ours, we were talking about how generous you are with your time, your attention, and just everything. And it's it's such an encouragement when you're around somebody who's generous because it makes you feel valued. It makes it it's a blessing on someone else's mm-hmm. life. I think you do that really well, Mark. Well, thanks. I mean, anything that you may see, like see from that, it's Ray just handed me a piece of chocolate for this. Ray, <laughs> so giving. I just can't and help generous. it. But I, I remember when I first started at Living Waters back in 2001, and I remember one time saying, boy, I'm really craving a chocolate shake. I, I think I was just kind of talking to Daniel, like a couple cubicles over. And next thing I know, Ray runs off, gets a chocolate shake, and he comes and brings it back to me, and he pours it on my head. I did not. <laughs> it's so weird, Mark, because I'm so craving $10,000. <laughs> I just want to say that this is the reason why at the end of every recording of our podcast, I look at the three of you and I say, two of you did a really good job. You guys. <laughs> Such an encouragement. Listen to Tell us that. Psalm 121, verses 1 to 2. It says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? Is the hills or mountains? My help comes from the Lord the maker of heaven and earth. So if, if your help comes from the Lord, how much more does their help need to come from the right. Lord as well? That's good. What we need to do is simply be pointers. 
What's when that people scripture? Hebrews 6, let us do good to all men, especially those to the household of faith. Yeah. So we That's need to encourage one because yeah. Christians are going through spiritual battles all the time. Yeah. The end of the kingdom of God. So we need the end of the kingdom of God through much tribulation. Each of us need to be encouraged. And that's why it's so sad. Often you see online Christians ripping into other Christians when they should be trying to build them up. Yeah. And, you know, encouragement is really a byproduct of someone determined to be selfless because it involves exertion of energy and sometimes time and sometimes the denial of our own emotions in a given moment. I mean, there are times when I've stepped back and I've thought, man, I have done nothing but kind of speak negatively right now about this topic and these people that I'm talking to about it, you know, they're they're sincere and they meant well. And and then I just stop and I say, man, if I could breathe life into them right now with some encouragement and, and it really hits me, but but it it takes that will of leading with the will and letting emotions follow if they will or not, you know, Ray Comfort. Just want to say something here, Dan Arnold. Oh, Dan Arnold. Easy and I, well, we've got a friend, the ministry, who went to be with the Lord a number of years ago. One of our board uh, members for many years. He was a tremendous encourager every time we saw him. He's a businessman from Chicago. Yeah. Very generous and always kind, always encouraging. Whenever I think of memories of Dan Arnold, it's always uh, almost like an overflow, bubbly, giggly sort of guy who's always saying something uplifting. Always. We, We flew to Japan with him. Yes. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's so generous too, you know. In fact, one Christmas he gave us knives. These, oh, these yeah, I knives. still use them, and and I do too. And in fact, uh, I always say to to Rachel, "Oh, where's the Dan Arnold knives? We call them the Dan Arnold. They're knives. really good knives. They're, by the way. They're, they're the best knives we've ever had." He gave me some boots. Oh, that's the one that I said I'd wear always when I preached, <laughs> and, and then. Uh, that was when I forgot them and we ended up filming for Ken Hay. That's right. And he used my shoes. But, you know, I was thinking of, of Romans 15. It says, first beginning of verse one, it says, when those, we then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. For even Christ did not please himself, but, that, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. And you know, then he talks about being one-minded in that regard. But yeah, I mean, even the things that happened to the saints of old happened for our encouragement that we can look at their lives, we could see how God worked in their lives, and then we can have hope. I mean, one of the best examples of that is Hebrews 11, the hall of faith. I mean, the end of that chapter is like, they were sawn in two, and they wandered the <laughs> earth naked and sheepskin. They were hid in caves. They were, I mean- Was it sideways or long ways? <laughs> that's a question. Good question. Maybe that's where that magic trick came in, where they sawed someone in half. Anyway, I digress. But- I'm just saying like you read that and then you go into chapter 12 and the verse, very first verse says, because we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run with endurance a race set before us, mm. right? Casting aside the weights, the sins, and then ensnares, looking unto Jesus, the author mm. and the fisher of our faith. And basically he's, he's saying like, look back and look forward. Look back to the cloud of witnesses, those that I just told you about in chapter 11 that went through all of these difficult things but to whom God was faithful and then look to Jesus who went through all that he went through as the one we're running toward and be encouraged. And then, hey, bear with the scruples of the weak, right? And be selfless, 
please your neighbor. Be, mm. be, and what greater way to do that than through giving encouragement? Right. I can't help but think how easy it is to forget to be an encouragement to our children, uh, especially when they're at a younger age, when so much correction and preparation and teaching is happening, you know, getting them out of bed, getting them ready for school, or if you're homeschooling, teaching and correcting, when they're home, making sure the chores are done, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It could be easy to overlook an opportunity to simply bless them with a word of encouragement. Yeah. Easy, what are ways that you've found is helpful to do that, or to remember to do that with our kids? Well, intentionality is massive. And so there are times when I will intentionally pause to think about how I can encourage my children. And it's amazing how quality goes beyond just like how well a product is made, right? We say, oh, that's really, really good quality. Do we ever stop to think of what kind of quality goes into how I serve others? And in this context, with my words. So much of what we do is off the cuff. There's nothing wrong with spontaneity. And it's beautiful. Some of the most powerful things come out of that. Basically our entire ministry. (laughs) Pretty much, the whole (laughs) podcast. But I'm just saying that there is a value felt in planning what you're going to say. I mean, Mark touched on that already when he talked about you know, asking questions or or pinpointing certain things or asking someone out. That's all pre-planned stuff. It doesn't have to be intricate and involved, but just like, hey, what are some things I can say to to my kids today about their character, about their personality, about how precious they are to me? And note those, whether you write it down or whether you log it in your mind and then be intentional and do it. Hmm. Yeah. William Arthur Ward said, flatter me and I may not believe you, Criticize me and I may not like you. Ignore me and I may not forgive you. Encourage me and I will never forget you. Mm. Boy, uh, that's beautiful, isn't it? Yeah, that, that is. It, because, man, we all know it. I, I'm just, you know, I'm that, moved. Just, that made you tear up. Yeah, it really moved me because you, I've been through hard times and I remember, you know, the kindness of certain people that were encouraging to me and you don't forget them. It just stays with you you know, and it ministers to you and it touches you. And the reason why I'm emotional too is because the realization that we have this indescribable power to touch people. I mean, you think about it on the flip side, how many of us carry with us the wounds of those that that said something hurtful to us? I was talking to someone the other day who told me something that someone had said to them five years ago. And they said, man, it just still comes up Mm -hmm. in my mind and I I remember it. And you think of that, that the words that were said, they are so wounding, but yet on the flip side, words that bring life and we have that power to do that. I mean, you think of Hebrews 3.13, but exhort one another daily what is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sins. You know, we have that ability to exhort, Hebrews 10, 24 to 25, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the custom of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. You know, the thing of the scripture, so let your lights shine before men that may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. We have an opportunity in the darkest of times, which our, our contemporary times are very, very dark, I was just, I was working on a video, video last night and I had a footage of a lady, 78 year old lady, went into church to pray and she was sitting in the pew 
and two ladies came beside her, one in front, one behind. And the one in front turned around and said, my mother's got COVID, would you pray with me? So the elderly lady bent down and held her hands and they prayed together while the lady behind stole her purse and got all her credit cards and all her money and went on a $7,000 spending spree. And so as a commentary, I said, we're living in dark times. I typed in, robbed in church. And then I saw another lady standing in a church lobby in a foyer. She was standing there with her bag. She's looking at something. Two guys came in grabbed her bag, run out, and as they ran out, one turned around and punched her in the face so hard mm-hmm. I ended up in tears just oh. looking at it. And I was thinking, what dark times we live in, and so how we must let our light shine in these dark times, because the only hope is the gospel. The lady who had a bag stolen, the pastor comes on on secular news, and he said, if I could see those two ladies, I would share the gospel with them mm-hmm. and hope that they'd come to Christ. And I thought, boy, that's the only answer for this terrible yeah. world we're living in, this evil world, is the glorious hope of the gospel. And that shines best in the darkest of ours. Yeah. Uh, you know, wow. I, I, I'm remembering when I was working at that investment firm, they paid quite a bit of money for me to go through this leadership training. And one of the things that stood out to me that I'll never forget is they said, it takes seven words of encouragement to make up for one negative thing mm. that has been said about you or to you. And so if you think about like, all the things, if you think about it, like depositing versus taking, taking something out of the bank, we walk around, speaking of these dark times, we walk around, even if somebody isn't directly saying something to us, everything around us is built to make us feel inadequate. Like we haven't accomplished enough, like we haven't done enough, like we don't know enough. Everything around us from social media, uh, as we scroll, for example, Instagram, and we think, man, I'm, I'm not you know, taking my family on this kind of a vacation or they don't experience this kind of thing, on and on and on it goes. We are just living in a space and time in which we are meant to feel inadequate. And yet a good encouragement is like this investment. You almost get to be the hands and feet of the way in which God wants to comfort people around you and really are a light in darkness, not only in the dark things that people do, but in just the general ambiance in living in Western culture is difficult. And through our words, we get to be like a comforting blanket that God sends. Yeah. And you know, it's important to note too, that encouragement isn't just, I guess, relegated to just saying positive things, right? We, we can, the best encouragements are those that are calling people to do what's right in times when they're not doing what's right. And how many people have been encouraged to repent and to get right with God and to obey the gospel? And then they look back and they're most grateful for that person that spoke truth and encouraged them in that way. So we have to remember that element and aspect. One of the most encouraging things for me is when Easy buys me tacos. <laughs> Taco Tuesday. You know, Romans 1 Verse 11 to 12, it says, I long to see, this is Paul talking to the church at Rome. He says, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is that you and I may be mutually encouraged Mm. by each other's faith. That's so good. How encouraged are we when we see somebody step out in faith? Good. When things don't necessarily make sense, but they are trusting the Lord all the same, right? Philippians 1, 6, it says, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you, will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. To pause, we it would do us well to pause and to look into our brother's lives and go, they need some encouragement. 
Yeah. And good encouragement, right? We, we talked about it. Look to the Lord and know this. He's going to complete the work which he started. And even when you're faithless, he is faithful. He's going to see you through this tumultuous storm, even though it may be self-imposed, perhaps, you're going to get to the other side. And the reason I know that God isn't done with you, we say it all the time, is because you're still alive. Yeah. And God has created you for good works, and he has still some more good works for you to do. Don't lose heart. Yeah. Didn't the Apostle Paul talk about all the dark times he was going through? And then it says, you'll know the verse, uh, where he said, and then Epaphras or someone came and encouraged me or something. I yeah. can't even think who yeah. it was, but uh, yeah. just the arrival of another Christian brother can be an incredibly encouraging, come alongside you in a dark time. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, again, it's just that determination to say, I'm going to step outside of myself. So there is that encouragement where people need to be made right with God. They need to repent. They need to forsake sin. But again, speaking on the encouragement from the positive aspect, William Barclay said, one of the highest of human duties is a duty of encouragement. It is easy to laugh at men's ideals. It is easy to pour cold water on their enthusiasm. It is easy to discourage others. The world is full of discouragers. We have a Christian duty to encourage one another. Many a time, a word of praise or thanks or appreciation or cheer has kept a man on his feet. Blessed is a man who speaks such a word. Mm. And it does, it takes that determination. Derek Bingham said, it takes what I am calling big heartedness for a person to overcome jealousy, envy, division, and personality differences to reach out and become an encourager. Genuine godly love never even looks on another believer's success as a threat. It looks on it as a blessing. It gets right in there, giving all the possible support it can possibly give immediately. Wow. And that's really big good. because a lot of times, you know, that jealousy, that envy hits us, which is again of the flesh, like James talks about. And it's so terrible. It's so evil and dark and ugly and, and selfish. But to see our brethren excelling, succeeding, and to, to have that heart that comes in, even though we may have these fleshly feelings that arise, sometimes they just do. We throw them away, we spit on them, we disregard them, and we speak encouragement, blessing, support. How can I help you? To, how can I put wind in your sail as God is blessing you, you know, to move forward? So, yeah. Well, good stuff. Look, friends, Thomas Brooks said, it is sad that saints should have many eyes to behold one another's infirmities and not one eye to see each other's graces. And I pray that that changes with us, that, that we start looking for ways to encourage one another. Uh, fill your heart and mind with scripture. That's gonna be one of the biggest ways to encourage. It's not just for you, yes, to build you up, to edify you know God's will, but also to be filled so that you have a reservoir of truth to pour out onto your friends. Like Oscar said, no greater encouragement than through truth, through scripture. So we hope you do that. The Evidence Bible is there to help you for that. Make sure to check it out at livingwaters.com. Make sure to email us at podcast at livingwaters.com with your thoughts, comments, ideas for other shows. And uh, also make sure to uh, share this podcast. Tell others about it. Friends, if you've been encouraged and blessed, then encourage others by doing that. And make sure to also give us uh, comments and uh, to give us a rating. And please continue to pray for us. Thank you for joining us on the Living Waters Encouragement podcast. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. I have no idea where that ridiculous saying came from, but friends, we do have winners. Winners for the podcast giveaway. That is the Living Waters podcast. We have Angela from Yucca Valley, California. Yvonne from Crestline. 
California, Brooke from Clayton, North Carolina, Andrea from Anderson, Indiana, Elias from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Becca from Lincoln University, Pennsylvania, Lowell from Yakima, Washington, Don from Charleston, Illinois, John from Ford, Australia, good on you, Mike, and Dave from Willen Lane, United Kingdom. Congrats.